We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We are uh, pausing just for today our Minor Prophet series. So we just finished up the book of Amos last Sunday. Next Sunday we're going to start the book of Micah. But today I'm going to talk to you about how to get something from your Bible reading. How to get something from your Bible reading. So this morning we looked at already Psalm 97. Amanda read Psalm 97 for us. And kind of what I love about Psalm 97 is that there's a sense in which it's just a regular kind of uh, everyday Bible passage. It's just the kind of thing that you would read in your Bible reading on any given day. I, I strongly, strongly recommend that when you read the Bible that you read a psalm with whatever else you're reading. Uh, the psalms are really, they function in a unique way in Scripture. They're almost like the lungs of Scripture. All of the most important truths surface in high density and elevation there in the Psalms. And also they're brought into contact, as we'll actually talk about later, with the most pressing, the most uh, vivid experiences of the human life. And so they're really a special, they're a special place for our theology as well as for our Christian living. Of course, they occupy, occupy a huge amount of space in the Bible, and that for good reason. So we're, we're going to look at a little bit, just a little bit, Psalm 97. But I'm just kind of selecting it because, I don't know, it's the kind of stuff that you hear about in the Psalms all the time. And so we're going to use it as a test case uh, to think about how to get something from the Bible. When, when Amanda read that, did you get something? Were you already like, oh, that, wow. Oh, that's really, I don't need, I don't need to stick around for the sermon. I just got what I need and I'm out of here and I, I'm good. It's hard, isn't it? Hear the Bible, read the Bible, and get something. So today we're going to, we got our, our normal slide stuff that we're going to do, and, uh, but also this little, that little worksheet that I've given you. And something I'd like to share with you, how to get something from the Bible, which is, which is not just like an uh, interesting skill that church people might like. It's actually extremely, extremely uh, valuable and important for the Christian life because what we're really talking about when we talk about getting something from the Bible is we're talking about how to be blessed. We're talking about getting the blessings that Jesus obtained for you, getting them into your lives. You know, we talked about this last Sunday at the end of the book of Amos. There's this, this depiction of, uh, of all that Christ obtained for his people out there and then the people, like the plowman, the reaper, the treader of grapes, the, the, the sower of seed, like the people are, are out there sweating and working to, to bring in, to enjoy what Jesus has purchased and obtained for them. And so how do we do that? That's really what we're talking about. You know, you read in the Bible something like, uh, all the promises of God are yes. What promises? You read something in the Bible like, uh, God, is, uh, God is for us. Who? Who? Who's God? What, does that matter? You read something like in the Psalms, my, my heart is quieted within me. Well, how does that happen? We read something like, uh, you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Where? Where does that, what does that mean? What's going to be filled? What? We read Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Why? Why do we need light in this world? Why do we need Jesus to be that light? We're talking about all of the different things that God wants to give us, that Jesus obtained for us, and, and the Spirit is trying to convey to us and bring into our lives. How do we get those things practically? How do we experience them? How do we experience them? Right? How, how many blessings would you say you experienced this week consciously? I experienced the power of God here. I experienced the kindness of God here. I experienced the wisdom of God here. I experienced the hope of eternal life and it propelled me forward into obedience that otherwise I was struggling to do. How would we think about this? 
Where do we see this in our lives? So we want to, we want to live blessed lives. Everybody wants to live blessed, happy lives. We want to enjoy what Jesus has got for us. Here is a big, huge part of how that can be more a part of our Christian experience. So let's start this morning with Psalm 1. Psalm 1, the beginning of the Psalter, really gives this, this vivid, uh, illustrative picture of the Christian life. And it begins, blessed is the one, happy is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the Lord's law day and night. And this person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf also does not wither. So we see that this person who is flourishing, how are they flourishing? Two, two key features. They're planted by the stream and they're absorbing the life of the water. That's where the fruit comes from, right? When you slice an apple, it leaves juice. Because the juice of the apple is the life of the river. And so the fruitful person is the one who is, two things, planted by the river and absorbing the life of the river. These are the key disciplines. We've known about this now for at least 3,000 years since this psalm was written. These are the key disciplines for a fruitful life. And everybody here wants a fruitful life. Plant beside the river of water. And here's the key thing. Absorb. Absorb that life. This is what we need when we're facing challenges. We see this is same language of Psalm 1. In the beginning of Joshua chapter 1, when Joshua is being commissioned by Moses to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. He's facing huge challenges. What does Moses tell him? He says, Joshua, you need to make sure that your vehicles are, make sure your tire pressure's up, you know, make sure all of your, no, he says this, keep the book, this book of the law always on your lips. Does this sound familiar? Meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. When when we are facing challenges, this is what we need. Jesus, a thousand years later, in the wilderness, doing, doing verbal battle with Satan himself. The tempter came to Jesus. Jesus answers Satan, not with, I mean, I'm sure Jesus had amazing things that he could have chopped Satan down to size, but he quotes scripture. And the scripture he quotes is really instructive. He says, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you're facing challenges, this is what we need. When we're facing temptations, this is what Jesus himself modeled for us. When we're in insecure situations, Jesus, just a few chapters later, says this in Matthew 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. That rock is these words of mine. This is what we need when we're in distressing situations, but this is also what we need when we want more. You want more, right? I want more. Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you in John 15. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And he explains this more, what this means practically, if you remain in me and my word remains in you. Fruitfulness, again, is the byproduct of being planted beside the stream and absorbing its life. 
connected to Jesus and absorbing his life. Paul explains this in a different picture. In Colossians chapter 2, he says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Would a little more wisdom be beneficial? A little more knowledge? A little more of that kind of treasure be helpful in your life for what you're seeking? It's all here. The way the Apostle Peter describes it in 1 Peter, said in 2 Peter 1, he says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Any, anybody concerned here with life or godliness this morning? All things that pertain to those are contained here in the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And we could go on. This is just a sampling of the benefits that God means to give us through his word. The blessings that we have available to us there. Let me try to just, just zoom out because I think this will be helpful to motivate you hopefully to do this, the work that we're going to be describing. We're here in part because we, we recognize that life is good. Life is good when it is experienced as being lived with God. Life is good when it's experienced as being lived with God, when we see Him, when we feel Him, when we know His presence. Because God, we, we recognize why we're here, God is the source of life. He's the source of all things that are good. And so when we feel His presence, when we see His operations in the world, that is when we call something blessed. That's what it means to be a blessing, is God was in it and His love was in it. And I saw it, right? Because I mean, let's just pause for a moment and honor all of the love that you've already experienced today and didn't, didn't acknowledge. All of the grace, all of the kindness, all of the little interventions that brought us together. But when we see it, when we observe it, when we notice it, that's what we call life being blessed. Feeling blessed, feeling loved. That's the peace and joy life that we're all after, right? The Declaration of Independence said that we all have a right to pursue happiness. That really should include Bible reading. I think they missed out on that. That may have been redacted, I'm not sure. So, God delivers His presence to us. His presence is what makes the thing blessed. And He has decided that He's going to deliver His presence to us in the person of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but practically through our interaction with Scripture. As Scripture interacts with our mind, as it interacts with our heart, then we can, we can have it in our consciousness, in our awareness, when we're going through life. When good things happen, we can say, thank God. When bad things happen, we can say, oh God, help. When things that we don't understand are happening, we say, oh, wow, I don't understand, God. We can live life with God. And that's, that's what it means to be blessed. So this morning, I want to try to <clears throat> walk you through a very, a very simple, hopefully not too simple, um, straightforward, hopefully, uh, way to harvest truths from Scripture that then you can make use of in your life to help shape your prayers, to help shape your witness, but even more fundamental, to shape your own internal dialogue, your own internal consciousness of the life that God has given you. To live it with God, rather than by yourself, with occasional references to God. So the, the, 
the picture I want you to imagine, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of use a culinary, agricultural uh, kind of metaphor this morning. We're gonna go from the grocery store to the cutting board, we're gonna put it in the crock pot, and then in classic uh, church fashion, we're gonna talk about having a dish to pass uh, for how we close. That's, is that, that's a unique church expression, right? Bring a dish to pass. It's sort of filtered into the secular world a little bit, but that's one of our big contributions. All right, so let's start here about how to get something from the Bible. Now, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to pause and pray. Before you open, <clears throat> before you open up your Bible, pause for a moment and pray. Uh, Pastor and author John Piper has a, a little acronym of, uh, that, that refer to different psalms. The I, he calls it IOUS. Incline your heart. Incline my heart to get wisdom. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Unite my heart within me to fear you and satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. I, I, just, I like to pray O and S out of that. So I, I'll start my Bible reading with, Open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your word and satisfy my heart with your steadfast love. I invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, who, who groans with us in our prayers. I say, Holy Spirit, would you pray with me while I go into the Word? Reveal what I need to see. And I invoke the, uh, our great intercessor and mediator, Jesus Christ our Lord. I say, Jesus, pray for me now as I go in here and give me what I need to see from Your Word this morning or this, this, this day. And then I head in. How do we get something from Scripture? So, I know this sounds dumb, but the very first thing is take something. Take, with, take something with you from reading the Bible. I was reading the Psalms a couple weeks ago, and this psalm popped up, and I thought, well, that's a kind of a great illustration of this point. <clears throat> All creatures look to you, God, to give them their food at the proper time. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. We look to God to give us what we need. And when he gives it to us, let's gather it up. Right? If, a per- if you're hungry, you should get food. And the Bible is like a grocery store in this way. If your fridge at home is empty, if it's just a half you stick of butter and some weird-looking vegetables whose date has passed, right? If your fridge is empty, it's not because grocery stores don't exist. It's not because they're exclusive elitist clubs. Costco. Um, No, I love my Costco people. It's all right. I'm just messing. It's not because grocery stores don't have fruit. That's not why your fridge is empty. So go into Scripture and take something. Take something from the Bible. Right? How many of us struggle with Bible reading because we don't get something from it? Because we, you know, we might be listening to something else, right? The, the, the pets are going crazy, the kids are, and, and, but we still expect that just something random is going to jump out and bite us for today, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be just wow. The Lord has given it to you. Gather it up. Get something from the Word. And I think first, the first question you should ask is, yeah, what speaks to you? Because the Spirit does very often speak very interesting and highly very interesting connections. What speaks to me? But, but more than that, what seems important? Because even if it doesn't speak to you, it's still a word to you. Right? There are times when significant people in my life speak to me, but I don't get anything. I don't hear anything there. Right? I'm not going to say who that is, but... Um, 
Sometimes people say things to you that you don't get something from. Scripture is saying something to you. Listen to it. What speaks to you? What seems important? What sounds interesting? What seems puzzling? All Okay. Take it. Take it. And write it down. Write it down. I love the illustration. This is just an illustration, right? But... Uh, but uh, David, before he's king, he's going off to face Goliath, right? He doesn't want the army, he doesn't want the big sword. He goes to the stream and he collects five smooth stones, puts them in his pouch. Right? How many did he use to kill Goliath? Just one, but he had a collection, didn't he? He was ready. He was ready to sling some stones at what life threw at him. Are you ready to sling some stones at what life throws at you? So write this stuff down. So in Psalm 97, uh, if you look at the little insert that is in your bulletin you see this is the text we're going to take this morning as we reflect on scripture there's actually like when you read psalm 97 there's some verses in there that are amazing like the thing at the end where he's like the light is sown for the righteous i don't even know what that means that's i want to spend a while on that but here's just something very prominent in the psalm very significant let's reflect on this the lord reigns let the earth rejoice so this is what I write down. The Lord reigns, Psalm 97, 1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. I was going to show you a picture of my notebook where I do this, but I didn't get to it. So just imagine a piece of paper with a lot of words on it. <laughs> you got that? Uh, so here's what I found, though, and I just want to encourage you with this. The more you do this, the more you get. Have you ever experienced that in life, that the more you tune into something and the more you do something, the more you get out of it? Jesus actually says something like this, really interesting in Matthew, or in Luke chapter 8. He says, consider carefully how you listen, because whoever has will be given more. That's been my experience. The more I listen, the more I note, the more I get. All right, so we went to the grocery store, we got something. Here's the next thing we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about meditating on what you gather. Right? And back in Psalm 1, this is how that, that person was described. Planted, uh, they meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Plant themselves beside Scripture and begin to absorb it. So let's talk about meditating. Psalm 107 says, Who is wise? Let them give heed to these things and consider. Give heed to and consider. This is a great word. This is the only translation of the Bible that had this word in it. I thought, the loving kindnesses. Loving kindnesses. Consider the love of the Lord. Give heed to these things. And all the way back in the Apostle Paul, though, it says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Give heed to these things. Consider them. Let these truths renew your mind. So let's talk about renewing our mind through this meditation. Because just buying groceries does not make you full. Buying groceries doesn't make you healthy. You've got to take the food and, and prep it and cook it and then eat it. And so this morning, we're going to use the uh, meditation, we're going to use the picture of a cutting board, where the prep begins. So we went to the grocery store, and now we're at the cutting board, where the, the process of cooking begins. The first question we should ask, we could ask, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but this is a very simple way that I get a lot of mileage out of. What truth does this verse reveal? What truth does this 
verse reveal? What's the truth here? Some truth about God, perhaps, and some truth about me. So again, if you look at that little sheet, as we meditate on Psalm 97, verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. In other words, the Lord reigns, and so this should make the earth rejoice. The truth that this tells me about God is that God's authority produces joy. You could say it tells you that God is the authority, but I think really the unique message here is the connection between God's authority and joy. God's authority produces joy. This is all on that page as an example. The truth about me is that I lack joy because I'm not appreciating God's authority. I lack joy. Where the Lord reigns and the people get it, joy abounds. If I'm lacking joy, it's because I'm not appreciating God's authority. So I I want to meditate. I want to think about the truth there for a little bit. The next question I want to ask is, what lie does that truth correct? And this is really, I I get a ton of benefit from reflecting on this question, especially for church people. Because, right, I've been born and raised my entire life in some sort of contact with the church. And so I've heard all of these words, and they just are, mmm, you just, mmm, that's amen, amen. It just, it doesn't mean anything, though. And the step that really helps it mean something to me is this one. I ask, what is the lie here that is being corrected? Because all revelation is correction. Everything that God reveals about himself is a corrective to some nonsense that you can find somewhere in some other religion or in some non-religion somewhere else in the world. Everything that God reveals about us is a corrective. All religion is necessary correction. So what lie does this correct? And again, I've got this in that handout. You can follow along and read with me if you want. But the lie here, uh, if the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. If I say that God's authority produces joy, the lie is that God's involvement will end my joy. Anybody here struggle with that idea? That if God gets involved, he's going to ruin my pleasures. He's going to ruin my comforts. He's going he's to ruin my dreams. The lie here about me is that if I submit to God, that's going to be the end of my joy. So many people come to God with that kind of perspective. I need Him now, but I know this is going to stink really bad for a really long time. Submitting to God is going to be the end of my joy. And you know what? Here's the more fundamental lie for me. I lack joy because I lack control. If only I could reign, then the earth would be filled with joy. We live our lives that way, don't we? That is the tension between so much of our unbelief, so much of our lack of faith and obedience. Now, I love that question about reflecting on the lies because when I, when I see the truth, it, it stirs my mind. But when I begin to think about the lies, all of a sudden my heart's engaged. I begin to think, ooh, yeah, that's what's going on there. The third question is how does this then point me to faith in Jesus? How does this bring me to greater faith in Jesus? This is really what, I mean, the Bible is here to reveal God to us and and, and us to us and, and expose the lies, but ultimately all the scripture is all of it, every moment of it driven to increase our confidence and our allegiance to Jesus Christ. It's all geared towards 
serving faith in Jesus. Jesus is the fullest revelation of the truth about God. He's the clearest picture of whatever any passage reveals about God. Jesus is the answer to every need that we have. Jesus is the corrective to all the lies that we come pre-programmed with when we meet him. So how does this passage, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, how does this then point me towards greater faith in Jesus? And again, if you follow along in your notes, I don't have this up here. But as I reflect on Jesus' relationship to God's authority and Jesus' relationship to my joy, here's what I discern. That Jesus is God's plan to deliver his joy to us. Jesus is God's sovereign, authoritative plan to deliver his own joy to us so that our joy may be full. Jesus is how God reigns. And then the earth rejoices. Jesus is also clearly way more joyful than I am. (laughs) And so, you know what? I would like that guy to reign over me. Not me to reign over me. So by doing this, this, this simple bit of reflection here, My mind's engaged in a different way and I'm, I'm seeing truths. My heart's engaged in a fresh way as, as some of the lies that I operate under are exposed. And my gratitude for Jesus Christ is increased. And that's good. All right, next step. Hebrews 13.9 says, It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. We don't just want an interesting conversation to happen. We want grace to strengthen our heart. So we have to ask, how does the goodness get all the way deep down? You know, when you have a really great meal, you don't just walk away going, oh, I feel full. You, go, you walk away feeling like, ah, oh, life is good. It soothes you and satisfies you on a deeper level. And I think uh, emblematic of those kinds of meals are crockpot meals. Right, so, so now what we want to do is we want to put what we've got and we take what we've got and put it in the crock pot. We went to the grocery store, we prepped it on the cutting board, and now let's put it in the crock pot. And this is praying, praying scripture. Could you benefit from some help with your prayer life? I, I think most of us feel like, I don't know what I'm doing when I pray. Well, this is actually going to help us do both things. Pray in a more energetic and stable fashion. And also help us understand scripture more. Take what you've gotten and turn it into a prayer. So let me just give you an example of this. You can keep your eyes open. This is just for educational purposes. Although if it's a prayer, that's all right too. Uh, But think about our verse, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Actually, I think this is on that handout too. I'm going to read it. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Oh Lord, I'm so thankful for that you reign. Help me to appreciate the blessings of your sovereignty, the goodness of your will. Fill me with your joy and let this truth be a comfort to me. Strengthen my faith with it. Give me joy. I'm sorry for trying to control things that I shouldn't, that I should turn over to you. I know that this is a source of grief and not of joy. Here, right? Lord, I want you to reign over my family. I want you to reign over my finances. I want you to be in charge of this project. I want you to be in charge of this meeting I'm going into. I'm entrusting these things to you. 
I want you to reign so that I and my family and my friends and my co-workers rejoice. I confess, Lord, that you are the Lord who reigns. I am the one who wants your joy. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, my Lord, to deliver your joy to me, that my joy may be made full in him. And Holy Spirit, help me to follow Jesus and listen to him and rejoice in his authority. Now, one of the things you may have noticed about that prayer was it was long. <laughs> right? So uh, what, that, what I mean by that is uh, it, it turned into an extended meditation. All of a sudden, I'm understanding things a little bit deeper, and I'm making connection to things in my life that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise noted. When we go to prayer, we're continuing to benefit from Scripture. That grace is coming into our hearts and giving us strength. And you know, this is interesting because I think this is maybe what most of the Psalms are. They're actually conversations between scriptures that the psalmist loved and the situations that the psalmist is in. The, the Psalms are actually the Holy Spirit saying, this is, I like this. Bring scripture into contact with your situations and talk to me about it. All right, one last thing, one last way to, to benefit and to get something from your Bible reading is the, the dish to pass step, right? So you've got your thing in the crock pot. As soon as your food's in the crock pot, everybody's benefiting already, right? You're smelling it. You're smelling it. It's beginning to benefit. It's beginning to stir up your excitement and your joy. But also, it's in the crock pot. It's ready to transport. Let's take it somewhere. Let's bring it to church. You've got a dish to pass. So here's the, the next step. Share your text, your reflections, your prayer with those that you've prayed those things for. What you got today was absolutely 100% is for you. But you are absolutely 100% for them. So what you got was for you and what you got was maybe for them and what they're facing as well. I love this psalm. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. This is our prayer at the tail end of our reflection journey, that the meditations of my heart will help you understand the Lord a little bit better as well. I mean, one of the, the most interesting things about our faith is that it can be shared. We talk about sharing your faith. You can share your faith. You can give somebody you love a greater sense of God's, a greater confidence in God, a greater sense of appreciation for Jesus. You can give them that when you give them the word of God. When you bring Scripture into contact with their situations. This is what Paul says in Philemon 1. He prays this for Philemon. He says, I want the sharing of your faith to be effective so that a fuller knowledge of what we have in Jesus Christ may be given to those you share it with. When you share your faith, when you share what you got from Scripture, it, it doesn't go away from you. You don't lose it. You actually get more of it. The Spirit is present in the sharing of these things, increasing even what we have and our insight into it. Listen to what John says in 1 John 1, 4. He says, we're writing this, I'm writing this letter to you to explain all sorts of Bible stuff to make my joy complete. My joy is going to be amplified as I talk to you about what the Lord has given me. He explains this a couple chapters later. He says, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, when we love one another, God lives in us and his love is completed in us. We get a greater revelation of God by doing this work of sharing things.
So I would just encourage you, I'm not talking about sharing your faith with just whoever, but the people you're praying for, the situations that you're in. Share what you got with who you're praying for. And I'm, not, I'm not really worried about the people who are six, six uh, what's it, degrees removed from me. I'm concerned with the people who are one degree removed from me and the people that are one degree removed from them. And the best way I can serve people six degrees removed from me is to bless the people who are one degree removed from me. So I might say something like, hey, I was, I was encouraged, you know, talking about your troubles. You know, I was really encouraged this morning by Psalm 97.1. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. And I, as I was thinking about that, it just, I realized, listen, Jesus is in charge and things are going to be okay. Think, Jesus is in charge, things are going to be okay. And that's what I, I've been praying that the Spirit would help me see that and really feel it today. And I'm praying that for you too, as you struggle with whatever that is. So that's an example of sharing that. This is so important, I think, friends, because, you know, every day the world is selling you Cheetos and telling you to run marathons. You know, they don't hand out Cheetos when you're running marathons on the side, right? It's not, it's all like healthy stuff. But this is what the world is. They're saying, buy this garbage that we made for you and then go do something amazing for us. But also every day, God has a word. God has a word for you. A word that your heart needs to hear, a word of love, a word of hope, a word of strength. And when we listen to that word, we can hear the voice of God. And as we hear the voice of God, we can begin to see the hand of God more and more in our lives. And that's, that's what we want. So go to the word, get something. Right, The word is rich. There's gold in them, their hills. And let the word dwell in you richly. We talked about at the end of the book of Galatians a couple months ago now maybe. Sow to the Spirit and reap the life of God in your, in my little lives. Reap the life of God. Listen, here's a couple benefits, just very practically. Your knowledge of Scripture, your understanding of Scripture will increase greatly as you begin to mark the territory for yourself. You could blindfold me, put me in my kitchen, and I could make a passable uh, sandwich right? Because I know where everything is. Plate, knife, I know where everything is. You could drop me in somebody else's kitchen, even if I'm pretty familiar with it and I've been there a number of times. I don't know where anything is. It's a complete mind wipe every time, right? You got to mark your own, you got to find where stuff is. You got to put it away. You got to mark your territory, mark scripture for yourself, and you will understand so much more of it. Your church experience will be improved as if that were possible, but it, it could be. Your church experience will be improved. Again, I remind you of Luke 8.18. Uh, be careful how you hear, because the one who has gets more. The one who has gets more. You know, sometimes when you're playing the guitar close to the drums, the drum kit starts, like even when Steve's not there, it starts jumping in. It wants to kind of join you. It vibrates. It's, it's sympathetic, right? Because I'm bringing something into it. When you bring something into it, when your heart's already warm and strummed and you've got a couple things going, you're going to find a lot more. You're going to be like, oh, that song was awesome. Oh, that's what I was reading in my devotions and then that's what they opened the service with. And, and things are going to accumulate. 
Your church experience will be better. Your prayer life will take on a greater stability and energy. Like, how many of us, so long, my Christian life was, I know I should pray, I go to pray, God, bless them, bless my family, and missionaries, bless missionaries, bless pastor, bless the people in the church, bless work. Like, you just, I don't know what to say. Bless things, and you can fill it out. You can handle the details. I, tr- I trust you for that. Uh, but now I've got God's heart connected to my heart, and my heart connected to God's heart. Right, because I've got Scripture resonating with my spirit, and my spirit speaking to God with the help of Scripture. I find that I'm just as sleepy as anybody, right? When I'm still just as sleepy and groggy and, and not really sure what to pray, but now I've got a whole little chunk of Scriptures that just cues. And I start reciting the Scriptures in a prayerful way, and my, heart, my heart's stirred, and, and my prayer life is now more stable and more energetic than it's ever been. And lastly, you know, your sense, therefore, of God's presence will be stronger. You'll be experiencing life with God. Now, all this morning I've been talking about how to get something from the Bible, how to be blessed. But I also, what we're also talking about is how to be the light of the world. How to be the light of the world. I mean, what is going to happen when a bunch of people... Who, are gonna, who, who go and share fresh, deeply personal truths with the people that they're praying about, what's going to happen? I think that's actually how it's supposed to work. I think that's how the light is supposed to spread. Our fresh, personal insights shared with the people that we're praying for. I think that this is what will make us luminous. This is what will make us notice, that the light shines upon us, the light shines within us, and then the light shines from us. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesians, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's what we're after. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word, and we're so thankful that it is just so full of so much light and we want to be people who are luminous we want to be lit with your word and with the the goodness the truth the insight the the exposure even of it that that we would get out from under these lies that we live with that we would see jesus high and lifted up that we would go into our days into the situations into the struggles that all of us have Things in places where we're weak and we're scared and we're overwhelmed. But we would go into them aware of you. Conscious of your presence. Conscious of your grace. Conscious of your promises. That we would experience these things still as frustrating and hard, but now with, with you with us. Because your word is with us. Lord, we love your word. We love the blessings and promises and all that is contained in it. So Lord, I pray that you would would benefit every one of us in some way with this this simple encouragement and little bit of guidance. That we would be a people who are beginning to harvest for ourselves and beginning to grow. And we trust you, Lord. We trust your word to bring the growth, to bring the fruit. 
So we now entrust all this to you, Lord. We, we turn this over to you. Ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.